Hi everyone and welcome to another Bible study here at One Love Live at Love Walk and I am your host Leela Winston. I pray that you are well and God is blessing very much in your life. As you know we come together to read in the word of God and study it so that we can apply it practically to our everyday lives and also so that we can accomplish the purpose of our lives. So I pray that you have been doing well. I am blessed as well, and I pray that God is blessing in your life. And so we're going to jump into to today's Bible study. I want you to grab your Bible. Um, we're going to be reading in Romans. I think this is a really transformative verse. I'm sorry, a transformative Bible study. And I'm going to make a confession to you. This Bible study, I'm going to be really plain, and we're going to talk about some taboo subjects. But I want us to have these conversations because I think that there has been a misconception in how we are supposed to deal with some of the things that we grapple with as believers um, versus what is said in the world at large. And I think that confusion sort of causes some problems for us. So I want us to look at some specific areas and that area is going to be Romans chapter 7. We're going to read verse 14 to verse 25. That's Romans That is chapter 7, verse 14 to 25, and I'm going to get started. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then, it is more I that do it, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwells no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would do, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that I would not, it is more I that do it. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find in a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of the mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, Who shall deliver me from this body of death? I thank God Christ, Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law, but of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. So I want to point out here, what is the law of sin? Okay, the law of sin is that law that makes you do what is wrong, okay? People want to make it really complicated, and this scripture can be complicated because of the way it is written. It's just, I can't say that I've ever really liked this scripture, I'm sorry, this passage, because of the way it is written, and even in some other translations, it just gets crazier. But what he's trying to tell us is that something is going on inside of us, a kind of a veritable war, a pull and push. And it's an operation that's going on. He's saying laws. He said the law was spiritual, right? So he's talking about two different laws. There's the law that's working in his flesh, which is sin. And then there's another law 
that is spiritual, that brings life. So I want you to understand when he's saying the law, sometimes he's not talking about the that, just the thou shalt not. He's talking about a law, which we might call, um, you know, like like Newton's law, like what a, what goes up must come down, things like that. That's the kind of law he's talking about that's working. So. Uh, this is going to be kind of a different Bible study, and I want to talk about these taboo subjects um, when we talk about sin and we talk about, you know, forgiveness. And yes, God will forgive you for, you know, everything if you ask Him and all of this wonderfulness. But I, and there's all this lovely grace. But I want to talk about how do we keep ourselves from that? What is the answer there? Okay. And often it remains unaddressed in the body of Christ despite the fact that there are relevant scriptures that help us. The only problem with these scriptures is the fact that they're not all compiled, you know, in one place saying, okay, do this step and this step and this is how it's done. And another barrier to being able to understand or note these scriptures is that they are not all spiritual. Some of the prescriptions for being able to overcome sin, the sin that of that law of sin that works in our flesh that Paul was talking about, some of that comes with doing natural, practical things to overcome it. And we're going to see that right now uh, in this Bible study. And I just want to be frank with many believers, okay, for which I believe struggle in some areas with sin or even a predisposition for certain sins, a lot of times feel that there is no hope or they are disqualified from the faith. Now, we had a conversation briefly about this on another Bible study that's called, you know, Letters to God, How Do I Forgive Myself? And a lot of times as believers, we might do something and, you know, we hold around this guilt even when we ask the Lord for forgiveness. And this comes from the fact of what is warring, what's going on in our flesh. And that is where I think this conversation should go. And so if we're going to go a step further, I want to give you some practical biblical tips on how to survive the sin in your flesh, the law of sin in your flesh. How are you going to survive this as a believer? Okay, that means something's working in your flesh that's working against you and your profession of faith. So what happens if you have a dark secret? What happens if you like something that is a sin in the Bible or a crime in real life? I'd be like, this is real. This is, this is real. Okay. We're not going to sort of, um, sugarcoat it. We're just going to be real about what it really means. And so this is what prevents a lot of people from receiving Christ as their savior and it also hinders a lot of believers who actually feel unqualified for God to use them. And I'm not talking about these typical lusts like every man's struggle or I struggle with anger. I'm talking about deep murderous rage or a desire to do things that we don't talk about for the seriousness of it. We have to acknowledge that there are real struggles that go beyond just the patty cake you know, struggle, struggles of, you know, oh, I, I am envious of my neighbor's new car. Now, I'm not saying that that can't be a real issue, but there are people who are struggling with some really deep issues. And I've had a chance, you know, in my life to talk to so many different people from so many walks of life. And I can tell you, people are struggling with some real things, okay? <laughs> real situations that you would just, um, that's scary, 
and they're believers too and we need to talk about it and so we've had scant conversations about what one does if they have these types of desires or these types of tendencies in some ways people grapple alone afraid to reveal their struggles to even clergy or friends and family because to even mention it would perhaps horrify them what does this mean were you born this way i want us to get real let's get real in verse 18 we see that the writer of romans says that there is no good thing in the flesh this means there is something in your flesh when you are born okay it may predispose you to a number of behaviors and wants why does one person like broccoli and the other person hate it think about it we know about genes certain genes make some people tall some people short well the bible teaches us that there is sin in the flesh we are predisposed to it simply by virtue of being in flesh we have a lot of pop psychology or what i would like to call pop psych theology out there that teaches that we are exposed to things in childhood and trauma and all of this and there is an element of truth to that you may do certain things because you are hurting from a trauma you experienced as a child or a young adult but there are also an equal amount of people who experienced the same or worst trauma but has not fallen into a certain behavior or practice is it because that person has greater self-control maybe they are maybe more responsible possibly or maybe it hurt them less that's also an option but the real answer lies in the predisposition of the flesh the sin that lies in it that makes one person more likely to engage than another that is why it's really hard to point a finger at anyone i see some people who brag about how faithful they've been to their spouse but have an open struggle with gluttony and that isn't me pointing a finger at any one of them the point is is that people struggle with different things according to that law of sin that's working in their flesh okay let's look at what philippians chapter 3 verse 19 says it says whose end is destruction whose god is their belly and whose glory is in their shame who mind earthly things just tells us right now that gluttony kind of is a sin okay and even though we overlook that and we say oh well you know you can go to any church and sometimes that's the most obvious sin on the pews is that there's a level of gluttony there in the clergy and all the people who are in leadership everyone is struggling with this and so we have to be honest about the things that we are predisposed to in our flesh and also that we draw into our lives because we understand that level of brokenness that level of sin not even a brokenness that level of sin okay so is god is your god your belly that might be a predisposition of the flesh and we while we don't take this you know very you know um seriously it's just as important as the lust of the flesh you know and some people believe that their lust of the flesh defines who they are and this is really where i want to get this is really the part i want to get to because a lot of believers assume that what they feel is who they are 
okay? What they desire in their body is what they are. This too is an error. Your flesh is not regenerated yet, only your spirit. And it is your duty to renew your mind. So we got three things going on here. We have a regenerated spirit. We have a mind that needs renewing that is left up to us to do. And then we also have... Um, we also have this, you know, flesh that will never be, that currently is not regenerated. And it, only after, you know, the resurrection will we see a new body. So it's really important to understand you have this confluence of things coming together. So our work as believers is to precondition the mind so that it can control the flesh while we are on earth according to the will of the new spirit that is now within us as believers of Christ. Let's look at Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It plainly tells us that there is a transformation that is taking place of which we are the principal drivers of change. And that is within the mind. The area where many believers struggle and those who have walked away from the faith is in the area of flesh and feeling. But I still feel this way. I still have these desires for this or for that. I still want it. The truth that many will not tell you is that you may never stop wanting some things that are sinful. It is not in feeling or in desires that we will be saved. It is in obedience to God's word and in faith. If you have been a drug abuser, you may never stop wanting narcotics. And if you've been an alcoholic, you know, or maybe if you've been in a certain lifestyle, that may never, that feeling, that desire may never go away. The flesh wants to do evil, whatever proclivity is in your flesh. And the fact is that it may not go away. It is not a popular thing to say. And too many people are trying to pray away the feeling, and that is not altogether biblically accurate. Paul had a thorn in his flesh, and what it is we don't know. We He never really revealed it, but he did speak openly and frankly about his struggle. And I want us to read that here now. It says, and lest I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of God, I'm sorry, the power of Christ may rest upon me. So we're going to talk about Paul's case because I believe in a way we can relate to it, but it's also unique in a sense from what we're talking about in terms of sins of the flesh. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in depth a little later on in this study. But for now, I want you to notice that he prayed for God to remove something, but he didn't, okay? Um, and I think that's really key, and I think we don't talk about that because you know, it doesn't seem like, oh, you know, it doesn't portray this level of power. You know what I mean? And Paul, he talks about all the wonderful revelations. I, you know, he went up into the heavens of heavens or whatever. And he was a great, you know, uh, uh, minister of God. But he had this problem. 
And even though he prayed for God to take it away, God did not. And I want you to notice that God didn't say yes or no. He simply said, my grace is enough. So this also applies to us. God's grace is enough for any tendency or any desire or any predisposition that we may have in our flesh. And you have to believe that. So let's not be spooky. His grace is a favor that is upon us that gives us a supernatural ability. It empowers us. It's the word charis, this kind of charmed life. So we have to ask, what kind of ability is God giving us for what that we need to do, what it is in the flesh? He is giving us the ability to manage our feelings and desires. And I want to make a brief caveat here because I think a lot of times people confuse the sins of the flesh with sexual desires, with hunger because of gluttony and etc. And natural desires given by God for us to satisfy for the good of creation. I think we confuse it sometimes and we assume that these things are bad when they're not. In natural desires, like desires for sex or desires for food, which are natural, our only task in these areas is to satisfy them according to the way that he has prescribed for us to do it. And even with natural, God-given and designed desires, we, we still have to manage those. The Bible calls it dominion. Do you have dominion over your feelings, over your thoughts, and over your desires? Do you know how to manage the good ones and the bad ones? Let's look at the first commandment for the work in the Bible. It's in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. It says, God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. And so God has given man dominion, the responsibility to manage that which is in his or her sphere of influence. At our core, we find in Genesis, we are just shepherds and gardeners. At the core, that's what a human is. That's what his creation is. And your mind and your body is the garden also over which God has made you a steward. Okay? The Bible says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. In verse 5, it's saying, take captive every thought. That sounds like dominion to me. It sounds like domination. 
as a believer, we have been empowered to take dominion of not only the natural world, but the spiritual one. Unbelievers don't have that choice which is afforded to us by Christ Jesus. It is why you can see a man who is, say, a really successful millionaire, but engages in depravity that leads him to shame or to a crime. He has dominion over the natural world, but is unable to take dominion over the spiritual world which he has brought, which has brought him to depravity. See, Christ came and took control of these things and then gave us that power through adoption and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And that unmerited favor, that grace makes it even possible. So we as managers, as gardeners, shepherds of our mind must develop tools and mechanisms to guard against control and dominate the feelings, thoughts, and desires that we have, whether they're good or bad. It's a very key ingredient to actually being able to live the Christian life. And the Bible is replete with verses that instruct us. It's more than just praying it away, okay? You just can't pray it away. It's a whole strategy and a plan involved. We are going to look and a couple of ways that we can begin to overcome the sin in our flesh. That whole idea of I was born this way argument, the I can't help myself excuse, the it's natural alibi. First, we are going to note these things through about 10, okay, maybe 10 steps. And so I want you to tune in Um, We're going to go into that in just a moment. So I want to thank you so much for tuning in. But I want you to take some time, go back and read our anchor text and understand what God is actually saying to you in Romans chapter 7, verse 14 and 25. I know the writing is kind of bad, you know, translations don't do it so well. But I want you to go back and look at it because it's trying to show us that there's something going on in us. That sometimes the feelings and the thoughts or things that we feel and emotions we have, they're not actually who we are. We have the ability to take dominion and control over them. And so we're going to look at some strategies, some practical steps that you can take to begin to address these and live an overcoming life. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. May God bless you and keep you. Bye.